Top Shelf with Brendan Myers and Declan Langbaki starts right now. Joined via FaceTime right now, coming from Brooklyn, New York. I'm joined with joined by Declan Langbaki. My name is Brendan Myers, and Top Shelf is back, part three. I think this is the third return we've had after an extended break. But life's been life's been pretty crazy. Listen, it's it's Jordan with the Wizards, except at this point we're hitting our prime. Yeah, eh, well, <laughs> some might argue our prime is way past us. But so maybe it is a lot more like Jordan and the Wizards than we think. <laughs> hey, you still put up twenty two and twenty in in those seasons. So while getting liquid drained from his knees before every game. Fun fact. Wow, that, I didn't think we were going to be starting off with that. That's a, that's a nice little tidbit to start, but welcome to Top Shelf. Welcome to Declan Baki. My name is Brendan Myers. It's been a pretty, we're in a little bit of a dead period of sports right now, mm-hmm. especially here in America. I don't know about you, not really big into the Masters. Nothing wrong with people that are, just, you know, not really my cup of tea. Are you a Masters guy? Uh, I'll watch, I'll watch Sunday. If it's tight, I'll watch Sunday. There's no reason for me to watch it if it's not close, though. Yeah, yeah. so... Between that and a little midweek uh, action and college football, pretty pretty slow here for sports. International break for most of the European leagues. MLS playoffs uh, should be starting up, I think, within the next couple of days. They, of course, have their reworked playoff, playoff format with a couple of playing games and extended teams. So, Declan, I know you'll be tuning into the Red Bulls, but the yeah, big, so- big story in soccer right now here in America, at least stateside, during this international break, the U.S. men's national team, after a break of over 240 days, back in action Why? today at the Liberty Stadium in Swansea. They took on Wales, tied nil-nil. But Declan, we'll get your thoughts. Get your thoughts here in a second. A nil-nil draw featuring a lineup that had a lot of youth, a lot of exciting young talent. You know, maybe not the result you wanted. You probably would have liked to see him put in a goal or two, mm-hmm. but encouraging for the future and certainly a lot to build off here. Yeah, yeah. You definitely, I mean, first off, shout out to Greg Berhalter. You and me have been on record as not being that great of fans with his selection as uh, as manager, right? You know, we haven't seen any type of style necessarily, uh, any type of identity. I think it's we're long due for a remake or a remodeling of the U.S. identity when it comes to soccer. We can't just be the hard-working, uh, scrappy, blue-collar uh, team. We have to actually learn how to play and, and while maintaining that mentality. So it was great to see uh, bringing in some fresh faces. I believe 10, 10 newcomers all together to camp. Uh, five just made their debut today. Uh, and... I mean, listen, 0-0 with a whole new squad that hasn't played together in over 200 days against Wales. I'll take it. Especially with with the uh, incoming Serginho Dest. So many of these guys, as as we said, it's their first cap. Musa coming in, brand new. They hadn't really played together. So seeing 0-0, I'll take it. Um, and we'll look, we'll look towards Panama on Monday. Yeah, I'll add a little bit to your point about Burhalter because I've, you know, I've criticized him a lot as well, a lot with his lineup selection, and it'll be interesting to see because there were obviously a lot of COVID-related travel restrictions. MLS playoffs are about to start, so this was always going to be more of a European-based camp. So I think Sebastian Legette and maybe one or two others. This was a very 
low-featuring MLS players. Sebastian mm-hmm. Legette, of course, did start as a false number nine. Played okay, nothing bad, but we'll, I'll, I'll certainly leave it as Josie Altidore doesn't seem to have a lot to be worrying about right now moving forward. How long is it till Josie Altidore just eventually gets outplayed and outperformed? I don't know, because I think it was COVID travel restrictions that prevented Josh Sargent from, from coming because he was a late scratch from camp. And keep your eye on Aaron Johansson. Yeah, if he could stay healthy, he's he when he's been on the field for the U.S. Men's National Team, he's been decent. Mm-hmm. But you know, he just hasn't been able to to really stay healthy. But going back to Burhalter, but really, I never liked the system that he deployed Tyler Adams as the right back. That when they had the ball, he became a center midfielder, and when they didn't have the ball, he was a right back. I thought that was so absurd, such a waste of talent. Uh, Burhalter didn't put uh, what it was square pegs into round holes today. He he mm-hmm. let these players play. The way they want to he let Serginio Des get get forward in the attack. Serginio Des played really intelligently, I thought, knowing when to get forward, when to hang back. Mm-hmm. Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa were I- incredible. That's that's and, a delight. Yeah, from the first from the first couple minutes of the game, I was really interested to see, you know, how would this young group play when they were on the ball? Would they be scared? Mm-hmm. And they were not. From the first minute, they got the ball. They wanted to knock it around. Musa McKinney and Adams were one or two touches. Those three played with such a high soccer IQ. Tyler Adams broke up so many different attacks, and he wasn't really working too hard in the sense that he was just positioned correctly for large portions of the game that he made it look so easy. That was really exciting to see. You know, Perhaps a, a successor to Michael Bradley. One thing that the Fox announcers did say, which is absolutely correct, is at this stage of his career, Tyler Adams does not possess the same passing ability as, as Michael Bradley does, which is certainly a fair criticism. But I'll take the ground that he covers through a game and just the opponents. It's so hard for them to to get a rhythm. Really liked what I saw from the midfield. Mm. The back line, I liked what John Brooks and Matt Miazga did together. Mm-hmm. They were they were relatively smart playing the ball. A couple little, you know, shaking and dodgy moments. Brooks missed a tackle and Wales kind of countered through Kiefer Moore, Cardiff's finest. But I just I liked how solid it was. They weren't risky with the ball in the back, but they showed that they wanted to keep it and play moving forward, mm-hmm. but they weren't getting themselves into trouble. Now, finally, I'll talk about the front line with Reyna, Sebastian Legette, who I don't want to criticize too much because he was playing in a position that really is foreign to him yeah. as far as a false number nine, and then Conrad De La Fuente. De La Fuente and, and Reyna were not bad. But I, I definitely could sense a little bit of timidity. Like when Reyna would get the ball, he really wasn't looking to push at the defense, which is fine. He's 17 years old, and, and he definitely showed how much talent he had. I mean, there was just a play in the first half where, for no reason, Gio Reyna just backheeled the ball back to death. That's not something you would do if you, if yeah. you weren't confident. I just feel that for most of, of the first half, because then when the subs started coming in the second half, it's a little harder to, to establish that rhythm. But in the first half, which is what I'm really judging it on, they just it didn't see, they were they were playing it safe and they didn't want to take a risk which is fine to certainly expect it in your first couple of caps not going to hold it against them but I would have liked to have seen them push a little bit more because those two certainly have the skill to really trouble defenses and especially a Wales backline that probably wasn't the A team for Ryan Giggs who was not in charge of this game but yeah. Ryan Giggs coach of Wales no for sure I think Gio Reyna I think a lot of that confidence that you're talking about comes from knowing who you're playing with. Right. Mm-hmm. right, we see him on Dortmund. He's got a top, I'll say it, top five forward in the world right now. Uh, that right. he's that he's bringing the balls to. He's got Marco Royce opposite sometimes. He's got a hell of a back line to back him up and a and a midfield to play off of as well. So I think a lot of that confidence comes from 
knowing who's with you, knowing what they're doing in that chemistry. And that comes naturally. That comes with time. Uh, Conrad De La Fuente, you know, I think, I, as well as Zach Steffen, we, a lot of these guys, Conrad and Zach Steffen mainly, you know, they're on these world-class teams not getting any minutes. But you got to think in training. Like Zach Steffen, they made a note of how, you know, how he's not getting time with Man City. That's totally fine. He has to save he has to save De Bruyne's shots every day in goal, like in practice. No, but it's it's certainly fair that you want the number one goalkeeper for for a national team to be getting more minutes than Zach Steffen's gonna be getting. No doubt. However, I will say, keeping in mind that this is a young team, this is a developing team, I'm fine with it. And and, you know, you said I think you mentioned that this was a squad that really was mainly European. This is, for the most part, and obviously Christian Pulisic is going to be there. Right, he got hurt and was a was a scratch from camp. Yeah, Obvi- well, he showed up to camp, did a right. couple of days, went back to Ch- went back to London because so close to Wales. You know, at the end of the day, this is probably seventy five to eighty percent of the squad I want for the Olympics and the World Cup qualifiers. Or the World Cup, should we make it? Well, yeah, because Olympics is always going to be different because that's under 23 mm-hmm. um, for the most part. But I think as, as far as looking forward to 2022, and again, it's, a, it's an if um, because obviously they didn't get there in, in 2018. Yeah. So there's no reason to take it as a guarantee anymore. But just want to see these youth guys continue to develop and then and then phase in but not rely on the old-timers like Bradley and Altidore. I would like – what what's a little bit frustrating to me is that you have all this talent coming up, and it's not a knock on Josie Altidore, but you would like to see a young striker really come in and, and take the throne from Josie Altidore just so you can continue to move forward. I don't want to see them relying on a striker the other side of 30. You know what I mean? No, because, I totally understand. Because they're, in a, they're at a point right now where they can play Michael Bradley but still kind of get some of those youth guys in and have the guys like Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney kind of gradually phase him out. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm saying phase him out because Michael Bradley could still add a lot of leadership to this team, yes. and he certainly certainly deserves um, He's got a, a mind for the game. He knows how to right. control the field. He can control the pace. We've seen him do it against better opponents even. We've right. seen him do it at almost every level. I think uh, going back to your point with Josie Altidore, you know, He's had the he's had this title of the United States striker for seems like the whole decade, and, and you know I've been wondering, and I think you have as well for the past three four years, when someone some young gun from the U.S. going to step up and just make a show? Yeah, and the the thing is, while Josie Altador has earned the right to have the. It's his position to lose, and he's done enough and produced enough to where that is his right. But you would love to see Josh Sargent come in because I'm a big Iron sharp, Sharpens Iron fan. So if Josh Sargent come in and start scoring at a, at a high clip, you know, once a game or once every other game, where then that has to push Josie out the door that much harder. So that mm-hmm. way he, he wants to be more sharp and, and more clinical in front of goal. It just, competition... We see it so often at the club level. A lot of the time, a squad like Tottenham, they'll peter out because they don't have that depth, and players kind of get complacent. Mm-hmm. But so with, with the United States men's national team, I think they would benefit greatly from having a young guy. They could also learn from Josie out there because there's a lot to learn. He's, he's traveled all over, all over Europe, back in MLS, having a lot of success. There's a lot that he could teach a young striker. So it's on Josh Sargent 
and it's on some of these some of these other guys to take the bull by the horns and say, I want to be the future number nine of mm-hmm. the United States men's national team. I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, I think you need more competition in there. Um, and I think once COVID's done and it's post-pandemic, whenever that is, I'm very excited to see the reports coming out of that first camp as long as Burhalter makes the right invitations. And I'm very excited to watch uh, U.S. men's soccer after that. Yes, so today, obviously, I think I mentioned it earlier on in this discussion, that I wasn't too concerned about the result. Barring a 3 nothing win for the United States or barring a 3 nothing loss where they kind of got dominated and run off the park, I really wasn't going to have that many reactions because, as you mentioned, it was a team that was just, just playing together for the first couple weeks and, and training and stuff like that. But on Monday against Panama, that is a fixture I'm looking at that's really going to be results-driven. I want to see how they fare against an opponent that's going to be in CONCACAF that they're going to have to go through. I would like to see them go out there and, and frankly, dominate Panama. Yeah. I don't want to see a, a one a 1-0 one victory. They got to score. They got to score. One. Yeah, they got to score. But I'd like to uh, see them keep a clean sheet. But I think... Oh, you and me would always love to see a clean sheet. Yeah. <laughs> But and John Brooks and Miazga played brilliantly today. I don't I don't know if I gave them enough credit in the in the opening monologue. Keep some more praise on them. <laughs> no, I love I'll defend John Brooks till day I die. And it all started because before the 2014 World Cup, I've told you the story. I slandered John Brooks. I thought when he came on at halftime in the Ghana game, I thought they were doomed. But it turns out he was the best center back. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, you know but, who I miss? Matt Beasley. I thought he put on a hell of a show. And that's who uh, John Brooks came on for. Uh, Matt Beasley got hurt, I, I believe. Yeah, But anyway, but against Panama, you have to win. Yes. You, that's not a game that you're comfortable with a draw. Against Wales, I was comfortable with a win, loss, or draw. But against Panama, there is no excuse. They have to win by, I'm going to say, two goal, two or three goals Amen. against Panama. Amen. I was going to say, if it's anything less than a two-goal margin, positively, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm frankly disappointed. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you have any other closing thoughts on this, but this is the last thing that I have to say. As far as is the outlook and the big picture of this team, and I know what we were saying before that the travel restrictions and the different season statuses were a big reason why this team got selected, but on a big picture level, I would much rather watch this team struggle to a tie against Wales than, than watch a, a team led by Bobby Wood on the front line and some of those other guys eke out a Morris. Yeah, eke out a one a one nil win. I'd much rather watch these guys learn and grow together because I think right now, since 2018, they have been in a rebuild in a rebuilding process, and I, you have to rebuild and grow organically. And you're going to do it by these performances today. That you know, in in five years, we're not going to remember how good they played on, no- on on November 12th against Wales. But yeah. these types of learning experiences, where Gio Reyna and Conrad De La Fuente can get a feel. On, on on the game at its highest level. This is Gio Reyna's first cap. So this it's just right now it's a learning experience. But with that being said, I still maintain that Monday against Panama has to be a win. Monday against Panama has to be a win. I also would like this is this is not a necessity, but it is definitely a desire. I don't want to see a false nine. Or I or I would like to see some some type of nine like actual nine or 11 played i think i think tim wea could be an 11 like Mm -hmm. you know just sitting there up top but uh we'll have to see i i I just don't think that false nine role is gonna work um 
Well, what's weird is that the the social account for the U.S. men's national team had tweeted out an hour before game time, which is when they released the lineups that Nicholas Giacchini would, I believe that's how you say the last name. Right. They said that he was going to start up top, which he would have been a true number nine. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a goal scorer up top, he's a bigger frame. But then all of a sudden, they about, I'd say maybe 15, 20 minutes later, I think it was, it could be wrong about those details, but it comes out that... We'll get the stats team on it. Yeah, that Sebastian Legette was going to start as a false nine. And, again, he didn't play bad, and I'm not going to criticize him because it's a position... Like, a false nine has been is such a difficult position to play, so I don't like to get overly critical. The only person that's really played it well is Messi. And if, if that if that's the bar, yeah. then it, it's, you know, I think it's pretty unfair to criticize. But, it, you know, he he was trying. He was working hard up there. But I think it would have really helped Reyna and Dale Fuente on mm-hmm. the wings if they had somebody that was making those runs in behind a target man in the box. Credit credit legit because the work the work uh, rate was there. It's just that it's a position so unnatural. Yeah, yeah. No, you have to you have to give credit to to just for trying and for the effort placed in. Um, yeah, I've I think we've just about covered it. I'd like to see the squad uh, continue to grow together. Uh, yeah, I think I also think Reyna especially needs a number nine to play with because he's a passer yeah and also he's like they're, playing with they're, he's playing with erling holland right you and need, you alluded to it before that's he's having so much success because his talents are most effective when he's got somebody that makes those runs as and you know who else is playing with an actual number nine who christian pulisic yeah right so your two starting wingers uh and honestly probably two of your top five players they both are used to that. Go where the, go as the talent goes. So so to yeah, speak. but so I I think something happened there that, that we're not really sure of. It'll be interesting to see how how Greg with three G's will will line up against against Panama. But I think I think that the Panama game might have a little bit more of an impact on, on kind of the direction that he wants to take some of these yeah. younger guys and, and morale for sure. Moving, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Last I, I I did say that I I I was wrapping up with the other thought. Oh my bad. Then, Sorry about that. I just, no I no I just needed to say um, that we'll cut this out I, of post. I, I did not know who Eunice Musa was a week ago, but my God, I watched him play. He looks the part of a superstar. Yeah. The, the way he composes himself on the ball, the way he can pick a pass. I mean, he needed a couple one-touch passes that weren't flashier, but just how crisp his passing was and the way he patrols around the field. Valencia I mean, 4-1 over Real Madrid. We saw yeah, it there. I, I had no idea existed. They said that the you know the only reason he was eligible to play for the United States men's national team was because his parents happened to be in America when he was born. Like, it just... It's crazy, Wait, but what, he, what uh, nationality are his parents? I don't, I don't know what nationality his parents are. He was eligible to play for for Ghana, for Italy, and and he represented England at the at the youth levels. So this dude is, had options. That is a smorgasbord of countries and, right there. But let me tell you something. Gareth Southgate has not given up on him. He's still saying we're trying to. He's basically saying don't count out England yet. Because yeah, I guess he I mean, he could have that one time switch. He's also not playing Jack Grealish, and so yeah. If this, or if this Carl was a, Darlow, and that's another issue that we will cover when we get to the prep. 
No, nah, Gareth Southgate was on a little bit of a honeymoon phase after the 2018 World Cup, mm-hmm. but his his team selection recently has been a little, it, little bit strange, we'll say. Very questionable. And and you know, moving on, we'll use that as a segue to get to talking about Europe. Oh well, I had, I had a perfect segue there because my guy James Madison. Okay, yeah, use yours. His, use yours. My guy James Madison from Leicester City has not been able to find a way into the England team despite some, um, we'll say, some questionable questionable additions there from Gareth Southgate. But anyway, going, hopping over the pond, English Premier League, I think we're at a point, Declan, where it's not it's not too early to make judgments about where the season's headed, but we don't want to set anything in stone yet. Mm-hmm. So do you have any, any you know, early season predictions? Are you shocked by anything? With the prime. Yeah, disappointed by anything. I mean, so here's the deal. And no Newcastle yet. Too early for a Newcastle (laughs) round. (laughs) You don't want to turn everyone off. Um, Yeah. So, obviously, Manchester United is surprising. Um, Mm -hmm. Purely because they have not really had the injuries that Man City and Liverpool have had. And yet, they are still sitting at 14th with a game in hand, but at 14th with only 10 points from 7 games. That is ridiculous with the talent that they have. I don't know how it's happening. I, you, you could say oh, it's on Ole, but honestly, I think at this point it's it's probably sixty percent on Ole for not creating a culture that is inspiring and fierily competitive. But on the other hand, I mean, at a certain point, it's on the players to go out and perform. Right, and I understand that for sure, and there's truth to that. But you you hear so and. And Lampard at Chelsea is teetered on this a little bit, but that you get so bogged down that you know Ole knows the DNA of the club. Lampard knows the DNA of the club, and and Lampard's tactics are a little bit better. This is more about OGS, but when when the tactics are a bit rubbish, and you know the the yeah. understanding the DNA of the club, it you know gets real quick real soon. And when you're sitting in fourteenth right now, well, what's well, you know, a big a big part of DNA and why it's able to to just reproduce is because of its form. So right. the same way that the form of the DNA is is critical, so too is the form of that DNA and and the tactics uh, to carry out the that analogy at the clubs. So yeah, no, I think we should get into Man United, but I would also like to put out Sheffield United. I just I think that one point from eight games, sitting in last place, after finishing that, in the top ten. I think that Sheffield United is a class. You know, a lot of people say that the NFL football here is a copycat league, and I think the Premier League also operates like that. And I think Sheffield United got a little bit stale, and they really didn't bring in a ton of new players. Mm. You know, there, there's there's some new players here and there. They they brought in Oliver Burke from West Brom. Yeah. Um, but the back three that was so stout last year, um, not not even struggled. Just teams have been able to attack them a little bit better. I think not having Dean Henderson this year has hurt them. Ramsdale's been solid in that, mm-hmm. no issues with him. But you know, Dean Dean Henderson's a special young prospect, mm-hmm. so so that's hurt them a little bit. I think that I honestly think in my heart of hearts, though, Declan, that they'll find a way out of this. And I, agree. I think I, agree. I I think that Chris Wilder is a good manager, and I, I haven't heard any speculation of it, but I think that that they'd be silly to sack him, considering where he's gotten them. And I, like I said, I don't even know if um, 
if they've considered that, if that's even been reported. But I, I think they'll get out of it because I think Fulham's gonna. I think Fulham is terrible. I think well, Fulham is absolutely terrible. For for Anthony Robin Robinson's sake, I I hope they don't. But I no. I also agree. I think Sheffield United, especially after having last year, you talk about a winning culture. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, true. It, it's showing that when the going gets rough, who are you going to be? And I think right. Sheffield United has that fighting spirit. I think it's I think it's from the supporters throughout the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you could see, honestly, it, it. I don't know. I know that the clubs have been pushing for it, but if you start to see fans start coming back in at twenty five percent capacity, you could see a team benefit from having that extra energy mm-hmm. and. Um, about Sheffield United, I know we just said that things might have gotten a little stale, but they still have the core of the team that mm. finished in the top ten of the Premier League last year. Yeah. So, so a lot of experience Chal- there. And they cha- not only not only top ten. Let's not shortchange them. Challenge for a spot in Europe. Absolutely. So I think that with Chris Wilder, they still have that core. I think they'll get out of it because I see I see a lot of teams ahead of them that are much worse than them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I can I can agree more, and I think. Where the line is is right about Newcastle. I think Newcastle is the <laughs> team where I'm like, are they better than? Are they not? Um, you know, if you had asked me two weeks ago that question, I probably would have said Everton. But three straight losses by yeah. Everton has them in seventh at 13 points. Granted, only five points off from the top spot, but they are starting to seem like they are reeling. What do you think is happening? Well, Richarlison was was suspended because he got the, he got the red card. The Merseyside derby kind of changed them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had some injuries, and as good as Dominic Calvert Lewin has been, and I don't want to take anything away from him, DCL is only as good as the service he's getting. Mm-hmm. So when they've had guys like Luca Dean who have been hurt, and he's missing that those left footed crosses coming in. And and Seamus Coleman's kind of been in and out with mm-hmm. injury. You miss his buccaneering runs. Hamas missed the t- game as well. Hamas missed a game that I didn't even mention him yet. You you have you had so many guys after that roaring start from Everton that that have been out of the team because of injuries or suspensions that there where most of the goals were coming from. It, uh, he's greatly neutralized, and I think defenses are realizing that that you see him start to put a little bit more pressure out wide into the channels because I, I think teams are more than comfortable to say, you know, DCL can drop back, pick up the ball, and we'll let him run at us. I, I don't think that's really what teams are scared of. Teams are scared of him leaping and rising above their center backs because he's so good in the air. Making a darting run to just tap a ball in. Yeah, and that's where you miss a guy like Richarlison because Richarlison is a threat when he picks the ball up, squares up against the fullback he's going to get. He, he's that threat for them. And you have a guy like DeCorey who, who who is more of a threat with space in the midfield. Mm-hmm. And Allen also got hurt. I think he missed a game or two. Sigurdsson that, missed the start of the season, so introducing him back into the into the team as well, some friction there. Yeah, Andre Gomez has, has kind of faded after a really, really strong start playing next to DeCorey and, and Allen. So I think form has faded. And I don't ever think that they were legitimate title contenders even mm-hmm. when they even when they got off to that, that red hot start. But I, I still expect them to be in play. I, I'd say for Europa League. I, I would. I wouldn't deny. I'd say maybe for that fourth spot. The way the season's going, it's getting. Yeah. It's getting very crazy. Uh, yeah, first and, one. First team to thirty-five points wins the title this year. It certainly. It certainly seems like it. Um, and I want to touch on uh, on the the contenders for the championship. We mentioned because uh, obviously that's at the forefront of everyone's mind, especially with this uh, next weekend coming up. Um, but I do want to say I just appreciate how Everton plays. 
They yeah. they play like the days of yore, which is typical of Carlo Ancelotti, right? But and it's, it's not easy flowing. what he did. It's not easy what he did because he inherited a club that you bordered on the word toxic. He came from a toxic club with Napoli. I don't know if you remember, but oh, yeah. they 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 wanted to go into what they called retreat in Italy, where the players basically stay stay at the training ground away from their families. Uh, Napoli was not in a good place when he left. Comes into Everton, who spend big, but really never had a coach to put it all together. You had a lot of players that were out of form, not performing. He's brought back guys like Michael Keane. Who, who's playing brilliantly at center back? Yeri Mina's looked really good. Mm. So I, I give all the credit to the world to Carlo Ancelotti. Which Mina's is a on huge my fantasy re- team. Which is a huge reason why I think that they'll end up in, in close contention for that fifth spot is because Ancelotti's such a good manager. I'd be shocked. Shocked if they drop below eighth. I'd be. My world would fall apart if they don't finish in the top 10. I just feel like with Everton, who's a serial mid-table club, they're in Premier League purgatory, that I wouldn't go as far as to say that because I could see a hot little take bit alert. of a drop. Hot take alert. My world would fall apart. Yeah, But I'm, I'm going to be honest, though. I think that, that spots, I think six through nine, are going to be really, really tight. And mm. you can see it coming down to, you know, uh, maybe four or five points separating six through yeah. nine. Yeah, I think especially because you know – I mean, you don't know anything at this point this year, right? But I, everyone's probably 75 to 85% sure Man United's going to come back, Man City's going to come back up, and Arsenal are going to come back up. It's just a, depending on how, how soon can they get mm-hmm. it going and how dominant will they be once they get it going. But I, you, I, I don't think – Man United, to me – are not going to be in the Champions League discussion this year because they cannot, for the life of them, seem to figure out any run of consistency. A bit like Newcastle. Still too not, early. Not, still a, bit, too not early. a bit like, New, too, not a bit still, like Newcastle. Still too early, but I just... New, Newcastle also uh, will have tie Everton and then just blow it all to Southampton. Southampton? That's, that's Champions League contender Southampton you're talking about. True. No, but this Don't, is this is no this is da- Danny Ingsless Southampton. Do not do not do not slander Che Adams. I listen, the man has the man has uh, thighs and hamstrings the size of my head. I could never. Yeah, he's built like a proper footballer. That's for sure. I, I think he's. I'll say it. I think he's Traore's equal. <laughs> no, 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 not, no, no. Not in terms oh. of quality. Not in terms of quality. In terms in terms of pure appearance. This isn't completely unrelated, but did you see Triore was coming into the game? They greased his arms. Oh, he had the baby oil all over his arms. It was like a mirror. It was so shiny. Imagine, listen, because here's the deal. You and me have both both played multiple recreational sports, soccer, football, basketball. We played them together. Never, ever thought about greasing my arms. Never thought about greasing my arms because I never had to. If I'm playing for more than 30 minutes, my arms are greased already by the sweat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, people hate play basketball with me for hours because I'm boxing them out and they can't push me. Yeah, that was that was insane. You know something's really, really strong when the commentators make make comments about it, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's really that noticeable. They could not believe it was it was it was basically a mirror, they used, a reflective they used a whole surface. Carton. They use a whole carton on Triori. 
Yeah, the the first the uh, for, like his first sequence ended. He tried to take a guy one on one and just dribbled right out of bounds. It's, it's you know, it's tough because Traor is becoming a bit one dimensional. But uh, but that one dimension, he's damn good at. Yes, yes, but they're starting to figure him out. He's got to get the passing back involved. He's become, and you know, this is the worry for Pulisic as well. Is trying to take players on every damn time. Yeah, you gotta you gotta mix it up. Mm-hmm. You gotta pass. You gotta move off the ball a little more. Yeah, um, he's fall, he's fallen out of favor a little bit at Wolverhampton. Had the game on and, and the commentators. I mean, he's not he's not starting every game like he wants. I mean, there was a time where where probably it was you know, Ruben Neves and then Adama Traore on the team sheet. Like those yeah. two were so key to their success. And Raul. I, well, I would say that Raul was so successful because he was getting such great service from Traore. Sure. True. And when you have a guy like that that is is constantly garnering attention from the defenders, it just opens up space for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, look, let's let's just touch on Wolves real quick. You know, they started the season pretty poorly, but I'm we're talking about Europa League spots. They're they're they got to be top of everyone's mind for one of those teams that'll challenge for the for the fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. Wolves, they just, I think that Wolves' problem right now and watching a couple of their games, they start so slow. Mm. It's not until about 55 minutes into the game that you're like, oh, yeah, these are the guys that I watched last year. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. It could just be a fitness issue, and as, as the season kind of goes on, they, they might they might figure that out a little bit. But right now, they need to – and it's not that they're – they're not really going behind in these games. Yeah, because they're still sitting in ninth place right now. It's like it's not a disastrous start by any stretch. They're, they're getting but, some type of result. Yeah, but they're so much better than what they're playing right now. Like Crystal Palace should not be ahead of them. I, I you're not going to find any disagreement from me. But also this year, uh, this year's wild because let's let's talk about the top the top ten. Stop and, the count. Well, top of the table, Leicester. Nah, Stop the nah, count. Nah, well. We've seen that before. We haven't seen Man City in tenth after seven games. Then we got Wolves at eight, or Wolves at nine, Crystal Palace at eight, Everton at seventh, as we mentioned. Then we have Aston Villa, or Aston Villa, if you want to have the Spanish pronunciation, at six. Chelsea fifth. We all could have seen that coming. Southampton fourth, Liverpool third, Tottenham second, and as you mentioned, top of the table. Leicester City. Let me just ask you something. If Leicester do hold on for another Premier League title and Liverpool come in second, does Brendan Rodgers win two Premier League titles? On? Like he's got, he has to take credit for both of them, right? Those are two clubs that he would die for. Get lost. <laughs> Listen, Brendan Rodgers. How his ego would go from from here to here. <laughs> <laughs> if a club that if a club that he managed won, and then a club that he managed five seasons ago, Brendan Rodgers. I don't. Here's the deal: is I don't think Brendan Rodgers can can manage at. I don't think he can successfully manage at a super duper rich club. But I think his. I think he thinks he can, and if he wins with Leicester City, I think he's gonna be like Real Madrid. What up? <laughs> My, I, the reason I love Brendan Rodgers is because because he would die he, for the club. He's so good at making everything about himself. <laughs> Be like Rod Jamie forever, man. Jamie Vardy could score four goals, and he would say, "You know, Jamie really listened to the tactics that I was telling him today." 
Like, like everything's just about him. I, oh, I, it's, I listen, love Brendan Rodgers. We're, it, I am so excited for next weekend. What's next weekend? Leicester plays Liverpool. Oh, that's the Brodge Derby. Did you know? <laughs> that's, that's the Brodge Derby. Let's. I'm. I'm sure we'll but, both be up. Well, no joke. No joke though. Uh, seriously, talking about Leicester, they they are a legitimate team. Like like yeah, these guys. B. These guys are a for legitimate real. manager. Yeah, yeah. Like that center back that they have, Fafana, that's coming for Sainchu mm-hmm. since he's been hurt, is the real. Di- like that dude is incredible. It's so Sainchu. He's so well. Sainchu's hurt though. Yeah, I know. Also, Evans. But, Evans is yeah. solid. He had a big gaff today that cost Northern Ireland a trip to the uh, Euro Finals next summer. But anyway. Um, Leicester, their issue, and it goes back to why they struggled in Project Restart and, and what we were saying on this show about teams like RB Leipzig, they play so fast. They mm-hmm. play so aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's so in your face. Fitness is a huge question. So my worry with Leicester, they are good enough to be in that top four, top two discussion, but the problem is if they start to get the injury bug a little bit. You saw last year when Ricardo Pereira, the right back, got hurt. Mm-hmm. Everything started to shift a little bit downward. They weren't as dominant. They were still winning, mm-hmm. but weren't as dominant. Because the way Rodgers, Rod, I just called him Rodgers. It's not. It's the fans of this program know who you're talking about. But he just he plays such a particular style where every player that he gets the most out of every player, mm-hmm. and and needs so much out of every player that when guys start to go down, Tom Thibodeau esque. Yeah, start, when those guys start missing games that team really starts to struggle and they were really bad in project restart like they were a surefire champions league uh team yeah we talked project about collapses Rest- that was a class yeah when project restart started and they imploded down the stretch and they ultimately missed out on champions league so that would be my worry about lester is if if they start to get an injury bug here and there uh how are they going to handle it yeah i uh i you know, we've talked about this before, and then once again, I think we're in agreement. Rodgers is the best manager in the Premier League. Yeah, I honestly think at this point it's between him and Klopp. He's got to be top four, right? But anyway. thing, he he's made Swansea successful. He was a Steven Gerrard slip away from getting Liverpool the title. Yeah. And. And he's he's made Leicester because they Leicester obviously had the run in fifteen sixteen where where that team was the special team of destiny whatever you want to call it, but he's making Leicester a legitimate consistent exactly. Champions League contender. Well, him, like him and the owners, right, right. We make jokes because he he just says outlandish things and half he he talks out of his ass sometimes. And but sometimes the dude is goes back on his word. Yeah, legitimately, the dude's one of the best managers in Europe. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Leicester for them, as we said, it's it's health, uh, and that was something that went so right for them in that fifteen sixteen year. Is mm-hmm. is Mares stayed healthy? Conte stayed healthy. Vardy stayed healthy. These West Morgan stayed healthy. These mm-hmm. these keys players stayed healthy. They have a bit more depth now. But once again, especially you know they're they're playing Europa ball, mm-hmm. so it that, right. that is going to be a challenge as well to to manage that. Um, I'm as as you as you are, I'm very very excited for next Sunday. See what happens with that game. I think 
you know, we've got a lot of a lot of season left. Mm-hmm. But that could certainly be a game that sets the tone, gets them four points ahead of Liverpool, the defending champs, rather than giving up the lead or maintaining that that one point mm-hmm. lead. And one last thing I want to say about Leicester, and then I want to talk a little bit about Liverpool too, which is a nice segue as they Leicester, play each other. Best keeper. Best keeper in the program. That's what I was about to say. To me, not even a question. Casper Schmeichel is the best goalie in the Premier League. It's a hands down. Game. Did you see the save he had on Neves when they played Wolves? Yes. Neves curled curled a shot from the top of the box and it would it's a picture perfect shot. Would have sailed right into the top corner. The way Casper Schmeichel reacted, got up and got a strong hand to just parry that right out to the side. De Gea is not making that save right now. Allison's not making that save. Especially Ederson, with the shoulder problems Allison's been having. Ederson sure as hell not making <laughs> that save. Are you uh, a, are you a De Gea over Ederson guy? Um, probably not at the moment. Yeah. Okay. But like when they're both at their when they like they obviously never both played in the Premier League at their prime. But like, if De Gea is at his best. I'm probably still taking so De Gea, De Gea from six years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been down for a while. But but to me, you're talking about keepers in the prem. Yeah, Casper Schmeichel and then everybody else. Casper Schmeichel, Carl Darlow, everybody else. Not because the th- the thing is, is that Carl Darlow is not even the best goalie on his own team. It, no one can see this, but I'm I'm just shrugging. I'm just giving a shrug. <laughs> Let's let's talk about number two, shall we? Wait, I thought we were talking about Liverpool. Oh yeah, we could talk about Liverpool as well. Number three, we'll the, just skip Tottenham. Yeah, the Tottenham snooze fest. Yawn, Harry Kane, blah blah blah. <laughs> but <laughs> people people say Jose strikers can't score goals. See Harry Kane and Son linking up for three every game. Yeah, but Liverpool. I just got to ask you one question, please. Their defenders are cursed, right? Like that's, that's the only explanation for this. You know, it's like, and I I don't like to make jokes about injuries, but it's a bit ridiculous at this point. It's getting tough. Like, they're 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 one bad slip away from just I don't know. They love Bobby Firmino so much; he's so versatile. They might just put him in the back four at this point. I don't know. Well, Klopp's playing our front four now, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Which which was ridiculous in the Man City game, um, and didn't really work, to be honest. Uh, granted, you know it's it's rainy out, but I mean, I love playing in the rain, and also I think most attackers do too, because just hit balls from deep and see if they see if they hit. No, Liverpool. Yeah, especially especially on wet grass, they'll take off. Exactly. I think Liverpool. I they're still the team to beat. Um, though at this point, right well, how does how does it affect Van Dyke's out for the season? Arnold Alexander Arnold's out till till. Uh, oh, I didn't December. see that his release date got released. Yeah, ruled out until December, courtesy of Gold dot com. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. They jo- so they have a ready Joe, Go- Joe Gomez just picked up. An I injury. saw that. Yeah. No, they have they have ready made excuses. They're they're holding on for dear life. But once again, I mean, that attacking three slash four slash five if you throw Shakiri in there, like that's that's ridiculous. Um and that's that's with that five, with that four, with whatever Klopp decides to put out there and with the culture and energy Klopp instills in his players, right? They can beat anyone. It's doing a consistency, not having that back four consistently, 
to to that really makes the difference. Uh, and as we've talked about, sometimes Liverpool's offense doesn't always show up on time, or or Van Dyke will score a header that'll win it, and they don't have those options or stalwart defense to bail them right, out. Right, but that's my worry is because. Under the world's best manager, Brendan Rodgers, and, and in the early years of Klopp, we've seen Liverpool teams that are great at the front but horrible at the back. Like, we've seen this story before. Yeah. And, like, Mane, Firmino, and, and Salah are on a different level. And, like, and let's I, put Jota in there. Yeah, so I'm not, not slandering those guys anyway. They are great. They're going to score goals, and Liverpool is going to find success. But we've seen it before, the Suarez and Sturridge days, while Lovren and Skirtle were at the back. We've seen we've seen Liverpool teams with this setup right now. And when you're a little bit unnervy at, at the back, mistakes will occur yeah. and you'll get punished for it. And right now their goalie's not even hundred percent healthy. No, no. So he, so you you could see two or three games in a row where Adrian's starting. We've seen that he's mistake prone. So I, I think I don't think the season's gonna unravel in the fact in the in the matter that where they fall um, below the top four, but you could see a scenario like City were last year where it's not that they're playing bad, but just that other teams are, are just separating the gap. They're slowly increasing the gap, mm-hmm. slowly increasing the gap. So unless Liverpool get these injury woes and, and defensive stability under control quick, they, they could see themselves in second or third uh, with long shots to win the title. I, I don't disagree. I think there's, once again, 2020, you can't say there's no chance about anything. But I don't think... I think there's as close to no chance as there is with any team that this team will not drop out of the top four by season. Mm-hmm. Like at season's end, they'll be in the top four. But it'll be interesting to see because you know you have a transfer window coming up. Like, do they make? Like, I don't think Koulibaly's in play because you know once everybody got healthy, he would obviously be a first choice center back. So then you know Joe Gomez probably gets demoted or something like that. So I don't know if a center back of his stature is in play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you were in charge, would you make a run for, for kind of a, a temporary stopgap center back? Do you bring Lovren back? I mean, no, but also maybe? Maybe. You might. Like, 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 that's my answer. We're talking about, we're talking about a stopgap. Like, Lovren's that. I mean, it's... I know he was really well liked in that locker room. They loved him. They adored yeah. him. I, they might build a statue for him. Uh, well, that, that's a Croatian bias. <laughs> yeah, true. No, I think I think they there's a chance they go after a stopgap for sure. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal with it. It's going to be interesting. Uh, they are the top of the list when it comes to the injury bug. Having that as an excuse, I think Man City. Moving forward, Man City almost had that as an excuse, but now they're starting to get to get players back healthy, and they've only won two out of their last five. Yeah, I think I I don't know. I hate I hate saying this, and because it sounds pretty negative, but I'm a little worried that we're starting to see the end of Pep at, at Manchester City, and we're eight games into the season, so I don't want to get too drastic and, and make any predictions like that. Mm. Just the way they're playing, it just you know everything seems seems a bit stale right now. And you know the David Silva, the Yaya Torres, you know I've heard Men and Blazers talking about. It. They said it. Those those stature of guys aren't walking through the door anytime soon. Hit the nail on the head right there. That culture, that yeah. Vincent Company fire breather. Yeah. K- KDB's not it. Aguero's not it. 
They d- they don't have that right now. If anything, like they need to go in for an absolute enforcer. And I'm I'm racking my brain right now to think of think of who that could be. They need a Sergio Ramos type. To type, not not Sergio Ramos. I don't think Sergio Ramos would no. ever play for Pep. Ever. No. Not in a no. million years. Um but and I want to make clear that the the Yaya Toure and, and David Silva was was not my original idea. I want to give credit to to Men and Blazers. Oh yeah, just, I mean we're just, basic, just so we're not plagiarizing. No, we're. I mean, let's be honest. We're. I wouldn't say we're the triple A. I'd say we're sort of there. Those guys as backups. We're like the the single A. Yeah. The single A short no, short no, no, A affiliate. No, we're on the forty day roster. We're getting invited <laughs> to training camp, but yeah. we're, we're you know we're open tryout. We're the two way players. We're the two-way yeah. players. We we got but, the G League hotels, and we're in the bubble. But there's something to be said. I mean, you just talked about De Bruyne. He he gets the penalty in the Liverpool game, just you know, clips it wide. That, like that's not a, that's not a player playing with confidence. Kevin De Bruyne is is a wizard with the ball. Like from a dead ball, Kevin De Bruyne can normally he could probably tell you which little hexagon the ball the ball is going to hit when he's confident. Mm-hmm. But and to me, the fact that he missed the net completely shows. I'm not going to, you know, overreact or anything, but it just shows to me that the confidence is a little bit shaking and City is not running like the well-oiled machine that we're so accustomed to being. For the past three years, yeah. No, right. I think um, with the Bruyne there, you could give it up to the rain. I, I do agree it was a confidence thing. I texted uh, our friend Pondu, actually, when that happened. I said, classic City, not, not at all De Bruyne. Like, we had never seen that from De Bruyne again, even though that was a classic City thing to happen. Big mm-hmm. game, penalty, and they miss it, and everyone shouts what, out I, frauds. I almost wasn't even, you know, watching the penalty, because, you know, death yeah, taxes, I, K- KDB hitting I, a dead ball, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's death taxes and KDB from a dead ball. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was, I, I straight up just... My floor, or my floor met my mouth. I was going to say my mouth dropped to the floor, but obviously words don't always come by us the best. <laughs> um, no, I thought that was re- I thought that was crazy. Um, they're, they're in need of, of some type of identity, and let's be honest, Pep has, Pep has never been the identity, the DNA, the, the, the character... Uh, manager he's the tactical right. genius that he has a feel for for uh leaders yeah. but he mm-hmm. by no way he's not a hansi flick he's not well let's that's a bit early to say he's let's be honest the the bet the the probably only manager to combine tactics and and a feel for leadership and fire is brendan rogers brendan rogers first second <laughs> sir alex yeah, and I just—I mean—I want to stress yeah. Brendan Rogers first. It's—it's it's unrelated because um, you know Sir Alex Ferguson's been gone for a while, but the fact that Manchester United has spent more money and done significantly less since he's gone just goes to show what he meant to that club. Yeah, and with that, let's let's start talking about the other the other club in in Man United. I think with Man City, I think it's health, and I think they got to bring in a fiery player. And I think we're in agreement there. Yeah, no, and and right now, like, I'm sorry, Rodri's not cutting it. Rodri's your number not six. it. Mendy's stopped playing him. He's gone. Oh, wait, he's gone. Wait, he's who gone. Was, yeah. Who, what formation were they playing against Liverpool? Who was who were the center backs? 
uh, Ruben Diaz and and Laporte, I think, were the two. Not a fan of Ruben Diaz. Well, I mean, he's he's still he's still new to England. He's getting acclimated. You know, him and Laporte have shown signs that they could be a, a decent uh, a decent partnership. I think Laporte was the other center back. I could be wrong. No, Laporte was definitely it. I just saw. I I assumed because Ruben Diaz had honestly he had the haircut of Otamendi, and I thought I thought Otamendi was gone, but obviously yeah. I was mistaken. You know, I think what the real problem for Man City was once uh, Eric Garcia said he was leaving, that's tough. Because he's he's a homegrown kid. He'd study under company. He could have been somewhat of a leader, a young gunner. And, and him leaving, I think, is is sort of a critical blow just to just to the club's DNA. And you hate to I'm gonna it. I'm going to run with the narrative that the second Ederson punched a... Uh, Punch Garcia in the face for no reason, and running out, running out for the ball is when Eric Garcia said, "Nah, I'm done. Let's, I'm done. I'm no, out. let's be honest, because like I, I don't see any, I don't remember any repercussions for for Ederson, and like not that there's. No, I mean, I, no, I mean it was an it was an accident. No, but, but I, I, if I'm Garcia, I, I'm like I sort of want someone to like beat this dude up or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just funny. It's funny that you know. It, I mean, it probably was a matter of you know two months after Garcia said. Peace. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. But, but um, moving on. Man United. I mean, I don't... I, I, we started with them. We should, we should just say a bit more, because is it... Do you think it's... I think it's a lineup issue. But I, uh, I... I'm at a loss for words when it comes to United, because, like, I I understand that there's... Um, there's justified pressure on the glazers and the woodwards for for how they operate but like they they drop bags for players that come in and don't perform yeah so what what is that breakdown how does donny Vandeby come in play decent and substitute appearances but can't find his way into the starting lineup like, like what what is to me the way the club is operating right now makes no sense why is juan Mata, i mean listen juan Mata is a, a very solid player a legend in the streets, but not it anymore. Yeah. Also, why are we sticking to the formation that they're going with this four four three? I mean, listen, it's it's first of all, it's not working. Second of all, you can't get your best players into the squad with the formation. It's like I, the the, their player strengths don't match up with the tactics that they're playing because to me that front line is built to play in the counterattack. Because Bruno Fernandez is very good at picking a pass on the run. Yeah. To me, he's not really a guy that'll pick up the ball deep, and and you know play guys. And to me, he's at his he's most lethal when he's on the run. And so are guys like Rashford and Martial and Mason Greenwood, who who struggled a little bit in year two. But again, he's what like nineteen years old. Well, also, gonna... one of his best friends just committed suicide. Actually, so prayers oh, well, up for him and yeah. his friends and his friends' family. Yeah, so you got you got these guys that are so good in space, but the the tactics of them trying to hold the ball with you know Pogba in the middle and you know Matic hold because Matic is a big you know six yard side to side passer. Yeah. He's not going to pass through the lines. It, it just nothing really adds up. There's such a disconnect between the midfield and the front line that they need to get on the same page. And you know Pogba's in his late twenties now. The idea that he's just going to flip the switch one day. And you know, realize he's the play, realize he's the player or what he can be, and figure it out. Like 
I think those days are done. Like he's too old. Like I think he needs a needs a change of scenery. He definitely needs a change of scenery. He he he's played under what three managers there at Man United now? Joe Mourinho. He was, he was Jose, and then Ole. What about before Mourinho? Was it was he was in there before Mourinho, right? No, I thought no. He Gall didn't bring him in. I, I can no, I could do the research about that. But either way, two or three managers now at United, and, and he hasn't been working. able to put it together. Yeah, and, I think, and he is a supremely talented player. Like, there's no question about it. like him at Juve. It was so much fun to watch, and to me, he still could be the best best uh, midfielder in the world. But right now, it's just not happening for him at United. So you have that guy. Who's under? There's just so much underperforming, and I can't help but think there's a disconnect between the players' strengths and the tactics. I talked about. I gave Greg Berhalter credit for the U.S. Men's National Team not putting square pegs in round holes. Right now, I think that's what Ole's doing yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and also last thought on Man United, and and we can move on to uh, Tottenham and Southampton, and if they can keep it up. But that back line is is uh, I don't. Harry Maguire is not the leading center back for your team. He he needs he needs someone that can hold it down. He's he's a he's a poor man's Van Dyke. Well, the thing is, I think that there's so few. Like everybody thinks that what Liverpool did with Van Dyke can have like they get this this one big money center back, plug him in, and everything goes well. That you know some of these guys are being thrust into positions that maybe they're not quite ready for, mm-hmm. and I think. I think Harry Maguire is an example of that. I couldn't agree more. It's, it, it's not that he's bad, because he's he's a, he, to me he's a solid center back. He's in in fact I would say this might be a hot take again. He's a good center back. Yeah. But I think something about defense, especially center backs, is it's all about pairings, the communication, the chemistry, sure. working off each other, and and. That's not there right now with him and Lindelof. We'll see what happens. And we'll see what happens with Southampton and Tottenham. Southampton and fourth, 16 points from eight games. No Danny Ings right now. And yet, they're still picking up wins. That's a surprise. Tottenham, talented, yet we didn't really see it coming. I mean, I, I'm so the way Mourinho has has kind of operated his past few clubs, undeniable greatness at, at Chelsea and at Inter Milan. Like, like to me, that's a that's a different portion of Mourinho's career. You you get what I'm saying? Yes. But the the way he's operated at, at Man United, and he just doesn't really seem to get that same success, and then leaves the club in kind of more chaos than than he found it in. Mm-hmm. So but I was least, never. But at least when he left Man United, they weren't middling. And right. Right now, I right. think they're middling. Sure. Right. Sure. They've definitely gotten worse since him. Not but not putting that blame on Mourinho. Yeah. But when so when when he got hired at Tottenham, I really wasn't that excited. I was like, he'll he'll finish you know fifth or sixth for a couple of years and you know leave with a disgruntled Harry Kane and uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah. I this team still is good as Kane and Son have been. To me, Kane borders on injury prone. Uh, misses some time with injury. It's the same thing as just talking about Leicester. Like, just one or two injuries could completely deplete this team. I, I'm not a huge fan of their midfield. Mm-hmm. Lo Celso doesn't really get it done for me, and Dombele is a little bit inconsistent for me. 
never, never, well, you know, he's probably the worst of that bunch. But, um, I've never been a big Harry Winks guy. Sign off right here, right now. Harry Winks doesn't really like to pass between the lines. He's a sideways and backwards guy. I'm just, you know, Tottenham. So, so you don't see Tottenham continuing to be in the top four. I don't because all their goals are coming from two players right now. True. I think I think it's either genius and Jose's seeing it coming before all of us or it's devastating for a fantastic talent what he is doing right now with Deli Ali. Yeah, and that was about to bring me to my next point. I'm glad you said that. Like Tottenham's third best player because Kane and Son are quite clearly better than him. Mm-hmm. But their third best player can't can't get a run. Luis. Eh. Eh. All right. Fair enough. I. But so. but I mean, what what does that say about and and I know that the player could be just as much his fault, but like when you, Mourinho needs to work with Dele Ali because Tottenham is unequivocally a better team with him on the field than without him on the field. I. You're not gonna find me disagreeing. I will say, Jose a lot of times is right about players. Um, and you could be right about Deli Ali. I think also Deli Ali's so so young, so 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 young that he can. Yeah, we kind we kind of lose sight of that fact with him. Yeah, because he was he's been good and been a top player, a top top player for the past two three years, right? Twenty four years old, plenty of time to salvage. Exactly. I think um, right now, I think Jose's created a great culture. I don't know if it's as good as the culture that Brendan Rodgers has created, but I don't think it's any mistake right now that during these tough times, the top four teams all have great, great, great camaraderie and a leader of, of a manager. No matter what you want to say about Jose, mm-hmm. he is a leader. Yeah, it's funny. Did you see after they lost to Antwerp in the Europa League, oh, the Instagram post? I, his Instagram keeps coming up on my Explore tab, and yeah. I love it. So, For those who haven't seen it, it's a picture of him sitting on the bus after, alone on the bus after the Antwerp game, after they lost in the Europa League. And the caption was like, hope everybody on this bus is as disappointed as I am. Hope to see everybody at training bright and early tomorrow morning. Yeah, and I loved it. I loved it. He's cocky on it. He's mm-hmm. he's funny. It's it's topical. Uh, there was one after uh, uh, their win against I think it was West Brom one nil, uh, or no they they tied. What was it? West Ham came back to tie him three. Yeah, that was the three three game. That was that, that was an amazing amazing game. Lanzini, my days. It was one of the best goals I've ever seen. That was that was the those that was the one time in the past five games they've dropped points. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, after West Brom, I think they won- it was they beat them one zero, and that was a late goal, right? Yeah, and yeah. and and Jose posts on the Instagram. Uh, it's a picture of him in the locker room, standing, arms out, looking at the camera, like, "Look at all these guys," and every single player is on their phone, and he, and the caption is the caption is. Uh, the modern day after a tough, tough win against a against a very good opponent. The thing with with Jose and this is this. I have two closing thoughts about Tottenham. One is I've slandered Harry Kane a lot 
over the years said he was a one-trick pony, but he continues to do that one trick extremely well. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna criticize, you got to give credit. And and he has evolved to where he's a playmaker now. You don't you don't use a hammer to screw in a screw. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna give credit to Harry Kane as much as it pains me to do. And the the last thing I'll say about Tottenham is that all of Mourinho's shtick works fine and dandy when you're winning. And right now they are winning in the Premier League. They're in second. And it seems that they're they're right in the ship in the Europa League. But the second, you know, you start to lose two, draw one, and, and things are a little bit things are a little bit down, that's when that's when I think you'll learn a lot about the Tottenham team and, and where they stand with Mourinho. Because it's easy to look past differences when you, when everything's clicking and you're winning. I don't I don't disagree. I will say I think Jose has a bit of Jimmy Butler, a, a bit of, and Jimmy Butler has mentioned that he's a dog. I think I think Jose the, has the difference that I would say is that Jimmy Butler curates is, curates the dog culture, curates yeah. the, the hard working, a lot of bite, a little bark. I if think J- like what what was the final game where I forget which game it was, but Bam didn't have a good game, and and you know Jimmy Butler said you know stop blaming Bam, this on all this on all of us. Jose, when things go bad, say it's your fault. It's not my fault. This is on you. And so that's True. where I would draw yeah, the yeah, line that, between that, Jimmy Butler. That's fair enough. And, and you know what? Maybe that was a bit too far, but I've had a few hot takes today. So uh, I I sort of want to see Tottenham do well because the the Jose redemption tour, when he got fired from Man U, was absolutely lovely. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. And he really let his personality shine. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to appreciate it because I hated him. During the Ray yeah. All years. And I'm starting to really want the best for him. So I'll go ahead and say, if Newcastle don't win it, if Leicester doesn't win it, it or I should say, if one of the big six wins it, I'd be I'd be almost happy that it was Tottenham and Jose. Though I, I do say, want Pep to get another one. I will say that I don't like him, but world world football is better when Jose Mourinho is, is part of of the big storylines. I agree. I agree. He's he's one of those characters. The only the only team right now to have matched Jose's record in the past five games, and maybe we'll close with this. Southampton Saints. Yeah, I mean, look, you you mentioned it before. Danny Ings hurt now. It's such a shame. I think he's out four to six weeks knee surgery after you know he finally got got Devastating healthy. Devastating for my fantasy team. Well, good good to see, or, or sorry to hear how a man's injury and surgery impacts your life. Oh, you didn't know? This show's about me. It's not about soccer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, that was really tough. But, you know, Southampton comes out. Another idea that Men and Blazers, who, who I love listening to, what they are absolutely correct about, if James Ward-Prowse's name was James Ward-Prowzinho, everybody would be talking about how you know, what a world-class midfielder, what a world-class dead ball hitter is. He's quiet. He's 26 years old now. He's quietly been one of the Premier League steady forces in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Him and Oriol Romeu mm-hmm. provide such great coverage. You, you were talking about uh, such great cover. You were talking about camaraderie before. They have such a great understanding. Their center backs, I'm not 100% sold on. I think if you're going to beat Southampton, you can attack them there. But I love the outside backs, mm-hmm. Walker Peters. Bertrand, yeah. love those, love those two. They really get after it going forward. They're they're uh, disciplined defensively. I think Southampton 
probably falls out of the top four. I don't I don't think that's exactly a hot take, but um, people people don't talk about Ralph House and Huddle helped build RB Leipzig, but when they were in the lower tiers of of the Bundesliga. Oh yeah, so I think, and what a I, rise it was. I think he's a bona fide bona fide good manager, not as good as Brendan Rodgers, but he's up there. But I, I think Southampton finished top top of the table. If you if you look at my table, I actually have about fifteen teams in the top half of the table from from what I've said. So is far Newcastle tonight. one of those? No, oh. Newcastle's not one of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, we tied I think Southampton. I still think Southampton finished top half of the table. Uh, yeah, I I don't disagree. Um, you know they they were there last year. I think they're building off of that success. I like the culture they've curated, as we've talked about. I think culture is becoming. Especially this season, it's it's tougher and tougher and uh, to curate that, but it's also becoming more and more vital. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you touched on everything. Midfield's playing outstanding. They've got the they've got some lethal finishing. Um, obviously, that's taken a hit now that Ings is off. They will go right now. Like Southampton rests on Che Adams' shoulders. Like they will go as he goes for sure. And good thing he's built like a Mack truck. <laughs> Um, he can handle that load. Uh, but yeah, everything you said, I agree with, uh, you know, I actually, I sort of like their CBs, but yeah, of course they don't have the highest quality. Um, but Hey, you know, that's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, A favorite phrase of ours here at top shelf. But I do think, I do think I see him finishing, in that six to nine range that we were saying, mm-hmm. I think they are one of the hot contenders, as are about yeah. maybe eight, nine teams. Yeah. Wolves, Aston Villa. Um, At this point, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Everton. Arsenal. Yeah. We have about. Sheffield we have about, United, I could see them. We have about nine teams that are going to finish in the six to nine. Man range. United is yeah. Every, at this point. There is no winner of the Premier League. It's, Everybody just finishes sixth. No, no, it's it, it also let's, let, it's not a race for the top four. It's whoever does whoever does better, whoever does best at finishing six to nine. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, no. that they're going to be missing out on six to nine. They're going to be overdoing it. So you can you can win the Premier League title, which is coming in first. But if you want the top shelf title, that, that's sixth place. <laughs> <laughs> that's. So. We, should, we should have a top shelf awards. Actually, we're planning it already. Top shelf so as awards. It, uh, as it stands, con- congratulations to to Dean Smith, Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, player. Well, hey, listen, they got a game in hand yet. Don't don't count them. <laughs> don't say it so yet. They got a game in hand. Yeah, I think that's gonna do. It's getting late here on yeah. on Thursday night. This is dropping on on Friday morning. We're recording here on Thursday night, but yeah. it's been been a lot of fun. We missed. Brent- we, we'll, we'll get a we'll get a Newcastle rant in next episode as well. And yeah. you know what we need to discuss and what? the the five subs debate. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure. Uh, hopefully, next time we talk, we'll have some more games to be talking about. But that'll do it for this edition of the Brendan Rogers Burner Podcast. I would die for this club. Thanks for listening to another edition of Top Shelf with Brendan Myers and Declan Langbaki. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes every Wednesday as Declan and Brendan break down all the latest news in the sports industry.